This week was a tough week in our country, a tough week in our capital. Lawmakers had to scramble for their lives. Police officers were, were overwhelmed. And it's so easy to buy into the lie like there's no hope. Hey, 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 I came to remind me and all of us tonight there is still hope. Say there is still hope. Because hope has never died. His name is Jesus. And the reason why you and I ought to keep this at the front of our minds because we're called as harvesters to carry a message of hope. When everybody's talking about how this person did that and this person did that, you change the whole conversation around. And tell them, bro, I know it's bad. I know it's tough. I know this week was hard, but there is hope. I mean, to be honest with you, we have nothing else to do at this point in time. What else do we have to do but share hope? So I want to encourage you. I know it's tough this week. Continue to pray for our country, you know, our outgoing president and our incoming president, right? This is a lot going on in this nation. And the truth is, I was, I, I, I was saying to myself, I said, how else can you destroy a body but from the inside out? One of the most dangerous diseases mankind has experienced is called cancer. It starts eating you from the inside and then manifests from the outside. And a lot of the things that we see going on is because we put a lot of band-aids over the cancer in our community. We've been trying to cover things up, cover things up. So right now, all you're seeing is, uh, is the cancer showing itself. But guess what? Say what? I got a job to do. Say, I got a job to do. Yeah, you are a harvester, a.k.a. a doctor, a.k.a. a medical <laughs> professional, a.k.a. an EMT. Where you see people bleeding in doubt, bleeding in fear, bleeding in, in oh, you go out there and you help them. Don't join the complainers. And we had an awesome opportunity today to go out to White Oak. How many are EMTs are out there today? Let me see your hand if you're out there with us doing evangelism today. Shout out to all of the EMTs. Come on, come on, put your hands together for the people of God that went out there today and braved the cold. It was cold out there too. But how many of you know that when EMTs go into a bad situation, they're not concerned about their comfort? Hello. I got some friends that are firemen. When, when the fire goes down, they're not thinking about, hey, I might get burned, though. They go head first, not even thinking about themselves. And I believe because all that we see is, is completely in an uproar, it's important that we stop thinking so much about ourselves and think about the community that is dying around us. We are called Harvest Intercontinental Ministries Unlimited. This is Harvest Intercontinental Church only. You are part of a well-oiled Holy Ghost machine that has been established by the Lord to go out and to win, say win, say win, the loss at all costs. And so tonight my conversation really is, in case you didn't know, I came to remind me and you that there is a cost. There, say there is a cost. There is always a cost. How many are going to run up into a Lord and Taylor, grab that dress you've always worn as sisters, and just run out the store with it? I don't see nobody raising their hands. Why is that not a good idea? Because you haven't paid the price for that thing. It's called stealing. And if you get caught stealing, you will catch a charge. And you're liable to go to court before a judge. And they're going to ask you, why did you take that stuff without paying the cost? 
And there are a lot of people that want to function in the anointing without paying, quote unquote, the price. Now, when I say paying the price, I'm not talking about paying the price for salvation because Jesus paid the price. You can't earn your salvation. You cannot earn your righteousness. Say Jesus paid the price. Free. But everything else that comes with what we're called to do, there is a cost related. And I, I, we're going to go through, through that tonight. But last week, I want to welcome you guys online too. Those of you that are here, go ahead, take out your pen and pad. Let's take some notes tonight. Okay? Last week, we, we, we talked about don't look back. Say don't look back. We talked about Lot's wife. Y'all remember Lot's wife, right? Yeah, she was a trip. Lot's wife got caught up in the ways of Sodom and Gomorrah. She got caught up trying to look back at what she lost, and y'all know the story. She turned into a pillar of salt, okay? So for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the entire Luke 17, 28 all the way through, but I want us to look at what comes after. Matter of fact, just give me, give me verse 30, give me verse 31 to 33 instead. I want you to see something. Because Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's talking to the Pharisees and those in his audience and he's reminding them of what it would look like when the day of the Lord comes. He said, it's going to be like the days of Noah. It's going to be like the days of Lot. People are going to be building. They're going to be selling. They're going to be doing business. They're going to be marrying off. It's going to be regular business as usual. And then the son of man is going to return. Okay. But then when he lands at verse 31, he says, and in that day, he who was on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take away, to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, say the field. Where do harvesters work? In the field. They work with the, with, with the crops in the field. We're called to go where? In the field. Not to sit in the house. Not to be in our comfort zones. We're called to go into what? The field. Correct? He says, and the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Go to verse 32. Remember Lot's wife? So Jesus takes him back to the Old Testament. He said, remember what happened to Lot's wife when she turned back? I talked about this last week. You can actually catch the message on YouTube or on our Facebook page. And then I want you to look at verse 33 because this is where the conversation starts for us tonight. Jesus goes on to say, whoever seeks to save his life will do what? They will lose it. If you're seeking to save yourself, when you stand before the Almighty on that day called Judgment Day, and he asks you, why should I let you into this glorious place? And you start talking about, well, you know, I used to go to church every Saturday night, right? I used to be in youth group. Man, I was a young adult leader. And nothing in your, in your quote-unquote statement has anything to do with, man, I don't deserve to be here but by the blood of Jesus, but by his grace, you will lose your life. If you're out here trying to work, earn money, earn status, earn clout, do all these things and trying to, and, and, and leaving God out of the equation, you are bound to lose. And that's what Jesus is saying. But he also goes on to say, whoever loses his life will preserve it. Now that sounds kind of tricky. You're saying, if I try to keep my life, I will lose it. But if I give my life away, I will save it. What does that mean, Lord? We're going to find out what that means tonight. Okay? Now, I want to make a point. In this day and age, our lives have to be predicated upon the will of God and nothing else. Our lives have to be focused on that which God has saved us for. To be honest with you, when you and I got saved, we did not get saved so that we can somehow accomplish our will with a little bit of God's will on top. Are you hearing me? 
You know, I got to do my thing. You know what I'm saying? I got to do this. I got these plans. But if the will of God be so, put a little bit of, no, that's not what this is. It starts off with his will first. And then everything else follows his will. Are you with me? That's where it starts. And that's what this conversation is about. Okay? You can't be focused on temporary things. This world as we know it is passing away. Say passing away. Nothing that I have, I get to take into eternity. Other than the relationships that are formed here in the temporal. I can't take the money. I can't take the car. I can't take the wife. I can't take the children. We all have a separate path we've got to walk. Eh? We all have to come to the place of realization that Jesus is Lord individually within the community of faith. So that, that thing where you think you're going to enter into heaven because your mama's a Christian, I, I'm here to debunk that lie like no. God, my mother says this all the time, God has no grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. He has no grandkids. He's not looking for them. He wants sons and daughters. Okay? Are you hearing me? So I said this earlier. I said, our mission as Harvest, our mission is to win the laws at all costs. There is a cost. Our vision is a world where no one lives or no one dies without Christ. This is what God wants to see. This is God's, this is what God is saying to you as harvesters. This is what I want to see. Everywhere you go, I want to see a world where you have influence, where you have power, where you have friends that listen to you, follow you. I mean, they literally think that you are the man or you are the woman. Look, I want a world where no one lives or dies without Christ. What are you doing with all that influence you got? What are you doing with all that influence that God has given you? Because everything I've received and everything that you've received is a gift from God tonight. Everything. Your ability to shoot a basketball is a gift. Your ability to run a football is a gift. Your ability to write music is a gift. Your ability to just look good. Some of y'all look good. It's a gift. Don't mismanage that. Be like, oh boy, yeah, mm-hmm. No. Don't do that. It's not about you. It's about him living through you. Hallelujah. But you see, when I say there's a cost, really that cost is called discipleship. Mm -hmm. That cost, we said win the loss at all costs. Well, how do you win unless you are learning how to win? In order to learn, you've got to be submitted and committed to someone's teaching. Nobody just gets up and know how to do stuff. You have to learn from someone. That learning process, we, we make this so deep unnecessarily. The fact that you, you, you athletes and you have a coach, you are literally being discipled in your sport. I don't know how you see it. Yes, coach. No, coach. Yes, sir. You get up 5 o'clock in the morning. He makes you run laps. He makes you do push-ups and lift weights. That's discipleship. You understand what I'm saying? How many athletes do I have here? Whether you're watching online or you're in this room. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't run those laps, that coach is going to be highly disappointed with you. And because you want playing time, you do whatever it takes to please the coach. Now that's at this level. How much more the coach of all coaches? The king of all kings. If he's requiring me and requiring you to do a certain thing, without question, yes, sir, coach, whatever you need me to do. You want me to get out here in this cold, even though my fingers are about to fall off and hand out tracks? Whatever it is, coach, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do it. 
God never asked me to feel, feel like it. He asked me to simply obey his word. There are days when my body don't feel like it. Today, my body did not feel like it. But if I follow my feelings, which really, to be honest with you, emotions and feelings are dumb. They are subject to what you tell it to do. If you don't tell your heart, be still and calm down, you'll follow a feeling that's deceptive. Are you hearing me tonight? Say, yes, sir, coach. We're talking, he's the coach, I'm not, I'm just here. Anyway, let's look at Luke chapter nine. Now, mark this, in Luke 17, 33, he said, whoever loses, uh, whoever tried to save his life will lose it. He, there's a whole spill there. But then when we go back, we go back to Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said, it says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him do what? Let him do what? Deny him. Say deny. Deny, you know, say, say deny. Let him deny himself, one. Let him take up his cross daily, Two, and then let him follow me. That's a serious call. The way I struggle to deny myself every day on certain levels, the way you struggle to deny yourself, <laughs> be honest, we're in church, oh. There's some days where it's so hard to deny yourself, so hard to pick up your cross, and so hard to follow him. I know it's hard. If anybody tell you it's easy, they're not picking up that cross. They don't know what it's like to carry that cross. Okay. Go to verse 24. For whoever, and he says it here again. Look, that's twice you've heard it tonight. He says it in Luke 17, 33. He's saying in Luke 9, 24. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So first, he doesn't add that for my sake, but here he's saying to you and to me, if you lose your life for my sake, you're saving it. Go to the next verse. I want you to see something. We're going somewhere. Okay? Next verse. There's a conversation with three folks here we're going to go through tonight. Okay? I said it. Whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Whoever tries to, huh? We're talking about the cost of discipleship. We're talking about what discipleship is. Now, it happened... Let's look at this real quick. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road, Jesus and a bunch of people. Just how this room is so, it's so good to see this room packed tonight. It's so good to have you all watching online. But Jesus is walking with the crowd. You know, the crowd always loved following Jesus. Y'all know that, right? Y'all know that, right? He didn't, he didn't lack followers. He had followers on Instagram, if he had it back then. On Facebook, if he had it back then. On, on TikTok, my goodness. I'm sure somebody was there recording the bread deal. They probably did like that. They probably did it in reverse. You know, you know how y'all trick the little TikTok video joints, right? Somebody probably like, man, he did a. Ooh, man, I was hungry too. Look how he made that bread multiply. All that is in Luke. It's in Luke nine. If you read the book of Luke, chapter nine, all of that is there. Luke, the doctor, Luke, he right, he records it. Five thousand get fed. So of course he didn't lack followers. He didn't lack fans. So as he's walking, it happened as they journeyed on a road that someone, this person remains nameless for the sake of the lesson tonight, we, we're just going to call him Johnny. Not John, Johnny. A, a journey, however you want to play with it. That someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds so good. 
Some of you tonight, you have a desire in 2021 to say, Lord, I will follow you. How many, I mean, if, if, if that's you, raise your hand with your online, throw up an emoji. How many of you are saying that, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go? If your hand is down, that's cool. It's okay. It's hard to follow Jesus. It really is. There's a cost. He gave his life for free, but there's a cost. It's going to cost you some things. So be very careful before you say, Lord, you're going to see it in the story. The man said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. If you go to the cross, I will follow you. If you go to the mall, I will follow you. If you go, I will follow you. Listen to Jesus' response. Because you see, Jesus always deals with the heart of the matter. He's not interested in what it looks like on the exterior. He knows your motives. So whoever this guy, Journey or Johnny, whoever this guy is that said this, listen to Jesus' response to him. Look at what he says. And Jesus said to him, foxes have what? Holes or dens. Birds of the air have nests. But the son of man, my God, that's who he is. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Is it possible that Jesus is telling this man, I'm homeless? Oh, this is God. This is the king. I, I mean, at least have a nice, nice little, little, you know, studio apartment, Jesus. What is wrong with you? At, at least have the nice little carriage or the little chariot. You, can't, you don't have to be walking everywhere with your dusty old feet. This is God talking. He said, foxes have somewhere to, to chill, birds have somewhere to chill, but I have no comfort, no creature comforts. Are you sure you want to follow me? Are you sure, my young man Journey, you want to come with me on this trip? Are, are you sure? Be careful what you ask for. Be very careful, count the cost. Consider what you're asking in 2021. I will follow you. Are you sure? There is a cost. Let's look, let's look somewhere else real quick. Let's go, to, let's go to Luke 14, 25 to 28. Luke 14, 25 to 28. Now, listen, I told you he, had no, he, had, he didn't lack followers. This is what the word says. Now what? Great multitudes went with. They were always following him. Why? Because they loved the bread and fish deal. I mean, you know, we're always trying to look after our stomach, right? <laughs> you got that Chipotle, Jesus, you the one. Chick-fil-A, let's go. You can multiply bread and fish. The multitudes went with him and he turned. Man, Jesus was the, is the realest dude I know. And he turned and said to them, go to the next verse. And he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, what kind of God is this? Wife and children. Brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus, this thing getting a little creepy. What do you mean hate my mom? I love my mom. My wife? Sometimes it's not hard to hate the children because the children will get on your nerves. My children too? Huh? My brother? You mean I need to reject all of my family? Do you think that's what Jesus is saying? I don't think that's what he's saying. We'll get to what he's saying in a second. But go on, go on, go to, go to verse 27. He said, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Go to the next verse. Here's the point he's making. For which of you, 
intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it. He is saying tonight to me and to you, which of you that you're saying, yes, I'm a harvester, I'm a harvester, I'm a soul winner. Have you begun to count what it's going to take to be the kind of harvester he wants you to be? Have you begun to think, okay, Lord, what is it that you require of me? In the year 2021, have you begun to pray to count the costs? Here's why it's important, because when you start something, you need to finish it. So many people start projects and don't finish it. So many people start relationships and they, end up, they wind up divorced. So many people get into school. Oh, it's too hard. I can't write another term paper. I'm just going to go work at McDonald's. Nothing wrong with McDonald's. I'm just saying. You need to have a finishing attitude. As a harvester, you got to have a finishing attitude. You cannot put your hand to God's work and then take, oh, I don't, you know what? That was way too much. Nah. Can you imagine if God stopped on the fourth day? Where, where would we be? We wouldn't even be in the story. He went through all six days and on the seventh day, the day of perfection, the day of rest, the Bible says he rested. He didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was finished. Somebody hear me tonight. He did, look, Jesus finished the work on the cross. So you and I have the propensity and the ability to finish strong. Say finish strong. And this man, in Luke 9 that we're going to go back to, it just came out, I'll follow you wherever you go. You sure? Foxes have holes. Birds have, but I don't have, I don't have any creature comforts to offer you. I'm here about my father's business. I'm here about that work. I'm not here to play no games. I only have three more years and then I'll be on a cross bleeding and dying for people. So I'm focused. I'm missional. That's the story of Jesus. That's point number one. Let's go back to Luke 9. Go back to Luke 9. I want you to look at the second guy. It's the second guy. You see, after Journey said what he said, go to verse 59. Listen to the next statement. It said, then he said to another. Now, the first guy, listen, the first guy offered up himself. He said, look, I'll follow you wherever you go. So Jesus told him what time it was, and then he turns to another. At this point, he's speaking now. At first, this guy had a prayer request, but at this point, Jesus is speaking, and he's saying, he said, follow me. The first guy initiated the fact that he wanted to follow. The second guy was told, tonight the Lord is saying to somebody, follow me. Follow me. I have need of you. Follow me. I got work for you to do. Follow me. I've called you into this, into this time, into this Kairos moment, and I'm saying right now, I need you to follow me. Stop following the world. Stop following the agenda of hell. Stop following the ways of men. Follow me. You should count that a privilege tonight. I should count that a privilege tonight. This gentleman should have counted it a privilege. But listen, no. The Lord said, follow me. He says, but, but, but he said, the Lord said, and it says, but he said, this is his response. Lord, no, 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 go back. Don't, don't, don't rush it. Go to 59. The guy said, Lord, he identified Jesus as Lord. A lot of us in here tonight, I believe, have identified Jesus as Lord. Now, is that true? If that's true, raise your hand. We have no problem calling him Lord with our mouth. But when the rubber meets the road, when he starts to call you for the mission, he says, Lord, 
let me go, let me first go and bury my father. The Lord has called you. The Lord has pointed you out and says, I'm ready to use you. You tell the Lord, you know what? Yes, but no. I agree, but I don't agree. Yes. Yeah? A lot of say yes with our mouth, but our, our thoughts are saying no. He said, let me first go and bury my father. Look, look, look at Jesus' response. You would think Jesus is mean, y'all. Look, look how he responds to this guy. Look. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. But Jesus, you can be mean. First he says, you hate my mother, hate my father, hate my sister, hate my brother. Then I, 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 you can't let me, no, no, no. Understand the context of, of this part right here. This guy's father was not dead yet. Oh, somebody hear me. His father had not died yet. Because if his father was dead, he won't be having this conversation. His father was still alive. What he was saying to Jesus was, that papa got some, I'm going to say it in Liberian, I'm sorry. That papa got some money for me. Let me go back to the house. I don't know when he, whether he's dying today or dying tomorrow. Give me about 20 years, Jesus. I need about 20 years. Then I will come. How do you know you have 20 minutes left? How many of y'all know you got 20 seconds left? We don't know what we have left, do we? We don't. He, uh, in other words, said, Jesus, there's an inheritance that my father has that once I get that, then I'll be fruitful in ministry. Jesus said, look, I don't need your money. I need you. I don't need your talents. I need you. You know, money was called talent back then. I don't need, you see, a lot of us think that we have to bring something. No, bring yourself. Because he wants to use you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He said what? Go and preach the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me tonight? I believe this is what the coach is saying to us. I need you. Follow me. Don't make any excuses about how you got to go to your mama's house. You got to go wash the dishes. As far as he's concerned, you should have been took care of that business. But now that you're in my midst, now that we're talking and I'm asking that I, I need you, you need to respond right now. Say there's a cost. Yeah, there's a cost. It's called discipleship. Okay? Let's go to the third guy. I want you to see something here. The third guy. The third guy. The third guy. Verse 61, I believe. And another, so listen, the first guy did what? He told Jesus he wanted to follow. The second guy, Jesus told him to follow. The third guy, and another said, Lord, uh, this must be repetitive. There's something going, as if to say you didn't, you are not paying attention, young man. You didn't hear what he just told the first and the second. Huh? The third guy said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me do what? First, let, let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Don't go, don't go, just wait for a second. Let it sink in. The first guy, at least he was sensible in a sense to not say anything about, but let me go. Jesus told him what time it was. But the next two, they had their priorities out of order. The, the second guy said, but let me first go and do this. The, the third guy said, but let me first. 
What is it about your priorities in this season that you have not given to God? You started off this year, God is giving you the first month of the year by grace. Nothing that we deserve. He gave it to you. Are you giving it back to him? When it comes to your time, when it comes to your, your, your abilities, when it comes to you, are you giving it to him first? Because you see, anything that takes first place really is your Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I want you to, I wanted to sink in. Anything that you put first, you can say, Lord, I will follow you. And that sounds good on CD and cassette and ADAT and, and, and uh, on the 45s, old school. But it means absolutely nothing when your next few statements says, but first let me go and do what I want to do. Then that means it's only Lord per your mouth. He's not Lord per your heart. <laughs> but let me go first. And go tell the people about you know what what came to my mind as I was preparing this I thought about Peter James and John you know if you read the scripture I believe is in Luke somewhere somewhere in the beginning of Luke there somewhere um, Peter James and John are fishermen fishermen they're fishing all night they've been fishing no catch nothing available to them and here comes Jesus walking on the, on the shoreline he's doing ministry he looks at Peter's boat he said man I need this boat I need it I need it I want to borrow your boat Jesus, uh, um, Peter said, no problem, you can have a boat. Matter of fact, I, ain't, I haven't caught anything all night anyway. My life has not been that successful anyway. I might as well give you a shot, Jesus. And so he gets on the boat like I'm on the stage and he preaches the gospel of the kingdom. And then after that, he tells Peter, James, and John, and he tells Peter, go out into the deep so we can catch some fish. Peter said, look here, that preaching thing, you got it sold, that's you. Fishing, that's me. I'm an expert fisherman. This is what I do for a living. But then Peter didn't make the mistake that these guys, he said, but at your word. Oh, my God. Based on what you are saying to me, I, I, I know that I, I, I'm not too sure about this thing that you're asking me to do, but just because I've seen you preach the way you preach, see you do the things that you do, and because you are telling me to do it, I am going to obey your word. And the Bible is clear. Peter drops down his net and he begins to experience a net breaking boat sinking catch. So, oh my God, this is what 2021 is supposed to look like. As harvesters, the Lord wants us to obey his word and cast our nets. Because there's a harvest that is waiting to be caught. So he puts down the net and then his boat begins to sink. And his nets begin to break. And then he says, hey, yo, James, hey, yo, John, I need help, homie. I can't do it by myself. You cannot do ministry by yourself in this season. We need each other like we've never, ever needed each other before. This is a season of collaboration and working together. No, there's no solo person in the kingdom. Anyway, long story short, they catch the fish. They bring it on shore. And the Bible says Peter immediately bows and starts to worship Jesus. And then Jesus says, come, follow me, and I'll make you fish of men. Nowhere in the story do I hear Peter say, but oh, okay, you know what? Let me go clean the fish first. Let me go give it to my wife so she can put it in the market. Let me go tell the kids, Bob, the Bible says immediately they dropped everything, and they followed. They were willing to give up their fishing business that wasn't so lucrative that day in particular. 
that wasn't so successful. Some of you are holding on to your life, and if you really tell the truth, your life sucks. I know my life sucks without him. If I don't follow Jesus, I'm a sucker MC. If you don't follow Jesus, trust me, your life would amount to zilch, zero, nada. So why are you holding on to something that you cannot keep anyway? Why are you forcing yourself to try to live your own life and, and, and develop your own purpose like that's going to go? It's, look, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose the only thing that matters most, his soul? Or what can you give in exchange for your soul? So anyway, listen to Jesus' response here. He said, but let me go home and farewell. And then Jesus says in verse 62, and this is where the, the conversation is getting ready to shift. Jesus says to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. No one having indulged in kingdom business who decides to look back at what they think they're missing is fit for the kingdom of God. What does that mean to me and to you as, as, as harvesters? We're supposed to be in a specific type of shape. And you understand what I'm saying? Some of you football players, you probably understand the analogy. If you don't run the hurdles and you don't run the cones and you don't do the drills in season, off season, if, you know, whenever, you, when you get back on that field to perform, you will be out of shape. If you are a singer, you got to keep singing because to stop singing causes your vocal cords to do what? Be out of shape and so on and so forth. The point is, you cannot allow yourself to go back to what God has called you from. If he has called you forth, it's because he has a purpose. It's because he has a calling. It's because he has a mission. What business do I have looking at? Man, they sure are enjoying over there. To take my eyes off the field is to lose time. And Bishop did a message this past weekend on redeeming the time. You can't afford to lose one minute in this season. You cannot afford to give time to things that are frivolous, useless, no kingdom value, no eternal wealth. I mean, just waste your time that you did not even pay for. He paid for it. Say there's a cost though. There's a cost. So this is how Jesus rebukes all three of them. Hmm? Jesus talks to all three of these men. One, look, I ain't got no, I'm, I'm not about creature comforts. You know, all that stuff where you think you got to have the car and you got to have, look, if the Lord blesses you with a car, hallelujah. If he blesses you with a house, hallelujah. Because in him are cars, houses, marriages, children, growth. All that is in him. But that is not the reason why we are, we are in existence today. That is not why we're still here. We are here to be disciples. Followers of the master. Discipleship is sacrificial. Discipleship is long-term. It's not an event. Coming here on a Saturday night, you're not being disciple. I'm preaching to you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Who, Sunday, who, who are you listening to? Who's, who's grooming you for a kingdom business? Who's your mentor? Who are you following? I guarantee if I, if, I go, if I go on your IG and I see who you following, you probably got about 9,000 folks that you following or who's following you, but where are you leading them? Because people follow people, you know. We all like sheep. We follow somebody. Okay, let me get to the end of this story. 
All right. Now, I want you to look at something. There's a story here that kind of exemplifies the point of this conversation tonight. When I said there is a cost, you got you to consider the cost. You've got to consider the sacrificial cost. You've got to consider what God is requiring of you and I. He wants my all. He does not want 10% or neither does he want 99%. He wants 100.5. All of me. I want you to see something. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 9 to 11. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now, this is Paul the apostle speaking to his mentee. I told you just a few seconds ago, you got to have a mentor. Somebody has to disciple you. You cannot walk this Christian life by yourself. I can't walk it by myself. I need somebody to pour into me. You need somebody to pour into you. Okay? Discipleship is important. Timothy is Paul's mentee. And Paul is saying to him, be diligent. Paul is in prison. Be diligent to come to me quickly. Keep going. For Demas, remember that name, has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Go to verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. I want you to remember that name. And bring him with you. For he is useful to me for ministry. There's a whole backstory that will blow your mind just in this one, a, a, a couple of verses. Okay? Paul is in prison. Paul, you know, Paul, powerful man of God, great evangelist, great man of God, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that we now call the Bible. I mean, powerful ministry. At the end of his rope, he's sitting in prison, and he's reflecting on what he needs, and he's talking to his spiritual son, his mentee in the ministry, and he's saying, Timothy, I need your help. I need you in this season. Look, I need you, you need me, we need each other in this season. Nobody's greater than the next. Nobody can say, well, I'm pastor this, so-and-so, I don't know, no, no, no. Neither can you say, I don't, you know, I don't. no, we, we are one. We are the body of Christ. And he's telling his son, boy, go back to, to, the, to, to verse, uh, verse 9, uh, 10, verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 10. He says, be diligent to attend to my need quickly for this guy, Demas. Now, Demas, in the book of Philemon, is one of Paul's co-laborers. Demas was in arms with Paul in ministry. Demas was a faithful man in ministry. Demas was a consistent man in ministry. But somewhere during this missionary journeys, Demas decided, and really, if, if, you, if, you, if you do the search, the name Demas actually means popular. Yeah. So many of us fighting to be popular. So many of us want to be relevant. We want our homies to, to like our pictures and to like our activities and, and we're fighting to be like, I just, I just want to be popular. No, you want to be Demas. Demas, once in ministry was faithful, but somewhere along the line, Paul says it like this, Demas has what? Forsaken me. Having what? Loved this present world and has gone back to Thessalonica. Somewhere along the line, Demas took his eyes off the prize. Somewhere along the line, he, he, he forgot the cost. He forgot what it took to be a disciple. He, he wanted to, you know, he's like, you know what, Paul, all this whooping you, they've been whooping you, I don't want this stuff. 
All this prison talk, I don't want to be persecuted. Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, you will be persecuted. Oh, newsflash, persecution is coming and it's already here for every last one of us in this room tonight. So if you're afraid that they're going to stop liking you, already, I'm telling you now, start to count the costs. If you're afraid that they're going to even cuss at you, today I'm handing the track to somebody and the guy was like, mm, 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 mm. that's my little persecution for the day. I felt so, dude, you're going to go to hell if you don't get this information. How many of y'all are afraid of rejection? Get over it. There's a cost. You want to be popular? Get over it. There's a cost. Demas abandoned ship because he wasn't willing to pay the, the price. I told you Christ paid for it all, but to be honest with you, the cost you and I have to pay is simply giving God our everything. I want you to keep that in mind. But then go to verse 11. I want to talk about somebody else, and this is why I'm going to wrap this up. Paul says, only Luke is with me. But I want you to get Mark. Go and get, his other name is John Mark. Go and get John Mark and bring him with you. Why? For he is useful to me for ministry. Now, this young man called John Mark, at one point in time in ministry, he acted just like Demas. In Acts chapter 13. Go read it. It's there. It's all in the Bible. In Acts chapter 13, John Mark said, ho, 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 hold up, bro. I don't have time for all this persecution stuff. This journey is getting too tough. And the Bible says John Mark abandoned Paul. And so somewhere in Acts 15, when it's time for Paul and Barnabas and Silas, with John Mark kind of lingering, you know, uh, around, Paul's like, look, I'm about the mission. We're going to go and we're going to win the loss at all costs. We're going to go and, and, and we're going to go. And, and Barnabas, who happens to be Mark's cousin, he says, let's take John. Paul is like, if you bring that little boy near me. <laughs> I had to say it just like that. That's how it came to my mind. If you bring John Mark, I'm not taking John Mark with me. Why? Because he's not fruitful for ministry. That's what Paul says. And the Bible says Paul and Barnabas got into a heated argument. You know, we as believers will get into arguments here and there. It's, it happens. Don't think it's strange. You know, when you're passionate about things, there will be arguments. The Bible says Paul, in Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas, which Barnabas means son of encouragement, Barnabas and Paul was, I mean, they got into a heated argument to the point where Paul said, you know what? All right, since you feel that strong about the matter, give me Silas, and we're going to go this way, and John, Mark, and Barnabas, y'all go that way. What happened between that moment and this moment? Somebody listen to me as I close. Although... John Mark, like Demas, lost his way. John Mark was willing to be discipled by, Paul, by, by, by Barnabas. John Mark was willing to learn from his mistakes and submit himself to Barnabas. So much so that at the end of Paul's ministry, he was able to say, bring John Mark with you. He has learned from his mistakes. He's useful for ministry. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. It could be myself. It could be all of us. But I believe there's somebody in here tonight. You are like, you're like Demas. You're on the brink of going back. The Lord is saying, don't you dare do it. There's nothing there for you. It's a trap. Don't do it. And then there's somebody that's probably like John Mark, who you made your mistake. You, you failed in the past. 
but now you've you've come to your senses and you're ready to be used by God this is your season this is your Kairos moment God is ready to place you and position you discipleship has a cause my people tonight I believe the Lord is so strongly saying that there is a cost you're not going to go into warfare without counting what it's going to take to be victorious guess what let me tell you how we win Jesus already won he already won and your obligation in mind is to get to know how to walk in this victory that we already have you've got to be discipled in this season don't just come to church to church after all we are the church so we don't come to church wherever we go the church goes but it's time to get to know the word of this grace that we have it's time to really understand why do I have this Bible what does this Bible mean why is prayer what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit these rudimentary things that you need to learn it's time to stop drinking milk and eat meat it's time for maturity young people there's a world out there that is dying without Jesus if we don't man up and go out there and get him and the only way we're going to win is we got to be trained to be winners or to understand the victory that we already have with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room tonight whether you're watching online Instagram you're watching Facebook Zoom wherever you are this is a simple request are you like the first guy who said Lord I will follow you wherever you go man if that's you you're saying you want to follow him I want you to consider the purpose for the follow God wants to use you to win the lost no matter what it takes and if you're here tonight you're saying God I, I want to be used I've heard but I still want to follow you raise your hand tonight Just raise your hand high as an act of faith you're declaring Lord I want to be used if you're watching online throw up an emoji that says I want to be used I want to be a true disciple, not a flaky, a fly by night Demas. I want to be, I want to be a true disciple. I want somebody to mentor and disciple me. Raise your hand. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. It's a simple kind of prayer. I want to pray that the Lord will send you the right Barnabas, the right Paul, someone who will speak into your life and hold you accountable. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see these hands raised tonight. And Lord, I thank you that you have spoken clearly, reminding us that there is a cause and the cause is called discipleship. Lord, you don't want us to be fly by night. You want us to be developed and concrete in our faith in you. And so these hands that I raised, Father, I commit them to you. Lord, cause there to be a Barnabas, cause there to be a Paul, cause there to be a man or a woman that will invest time in their spiritual growth. The enemy can no longer have them going back and forth in unbelief and doubt. Father, I commit them to you. I commit their lives to you. I commit your call on them to you. Holy Spirit, seal it. In the name of Jesus I want to pray for the next person you're here tonight or you're watching online and you've never given your life to Christ 
He says, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I'm talking to you tonight. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've ever lost control of yourself to give to him, I want you to raise your hand or I want you to acknowledge that online tonight. Father, you see the hands that are raised. You see the hearts that are available. Father, I pray for them. In the name of Jesus, I want you to even repeat after me and say, Lord Jesus, tonight I surrender to you as my Lord and as my Savior. Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. Take control. Use me for whatever you so desire. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want you to just raise your hand and let's, for about a minute or so, just acknowledge what the Lord has said tonight. I want you to just tell him thank you. Father, I say thank you. Thank you for this word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the Spirit of God being here. Thank you for the revelation of Jesus. Thank you for speaking truth to these young people tonight. We desire more of you. We desire more of your purpose. We desire more of your will being done on earth as it is in heaven. We give you the glory, Lord. People of God, as harvesters, we're really just disciples. A harvester is a disciple and a disciple maker. When Jesus was leaving, this is the last thing he said. He said, go into all the world and make disciples, not converts, disciples. Not converts. Sometimes we think we'll go out there, we share gospel, and then somebody will say, hey, no, it, it just, that, that's the beginning. Of the relationship if you ever get a chance this week coming up to evangelize and to witness with somebody and they give their life to Christ you grab their name their number and you stay connected to them or connect them to someone who will disciple them are you hearing me this is what the Lord is calling us to do in this season say there is a cost but I'm so glad Jesus paid the price in Jesus name